Welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast. My name is, as it always is, Philip O'Connor, coming to you from my little studio here in Stockholm, a stone's throw from Sankt Eriksplan. We used to have sponge cookies close by, but they moved off somewhere there. So I hope the Mark and the boys and girls are doing very well there with their baked goods. I think, uh, are they somewhere in Gamla Stan now? Jeez, I'll have to look them up. That'll be another podcast, lads. I hope you're all keeping well. Uh, I'd like to say a big thank you to all of you who've been in touch about the podcast that we did on the passing of Kevin Higgins down below in Vorbay. We paid tribute to Kevin in last week's podcast. Uh, A very sad passing of a man at the age of 48 uh, who, as I've been saying all week, he touched so many of us in so many ways. Just a fantastic guy, unique character, a great Gaelic footballer, but a great lover of people and um, very sad to hear him pass. And I know his brother Patrick has been in Sweden this week. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, but just a week after um, Kevin's passing, uh, Patrick has been over here and I think there might be other members of the family with him uh, to help to repatriate Kevin and to bring him back to Limavadi in Derry and that. So um, thanks for the kind words. It's one of those podcasts, as I said, that I always expected to have to make it about somebody in the community. You never expected to have to make it about somebody so young at the age of 48. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things we do. I sort of came up with the term. Somebody was saying, "Why do you do it?" Like, and I was going, "Well, I call it public service podcasting." You know, uh, we have to do this thing. We have to do these things for our community. And um, I'm glad that both Kevin's family and that the, the regular listeners to this podcast got something out of it, even though it's not a joyous subject. I think it's something that we have to do. Um, we're heading back towards sort of normal service being resumed this week. Uh, you're going to notice over the next few weeks there's going to be a few changes as we do things, right? Um, one is I might be a little bit less active on uh, the Instagram page for Irish in Sweden, right? So make sure you're following me at Philip Ablana on Instagram. I'm going to try to centralise everything there because it gets too confusing, lads, to have the Global Gale and the Irish in Sweden podcast and the Aromana Stockholm podcast. Look, you know, nobody wants to be going in and following 26 different uh, Instagram profiles. I tend to go in actually and take away on my Twitter account the ones that I don't sort of pay attention to anymore or, you know, if you follow, you know, a Twitter account for a tournament or whatever, and then once the tournament's over, get rid of it because there's too many things to be following. Who needs to be doing that? And uh, I'm going to eventually sort of centralise all these things in one place. Now, the different podcasts will be still around and we will always have a weekly podcast that uh, that deals with the Irish community in Sweden. But you may just find that you're, <coughs> you're going to one central location, I suppose, for everything. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you to Martin Hessian at Veerstrums, right? And this is a very important time of the year, both for Irish in Sweden and for Veerstrums pub, right? Because the Six Nations is on. And Veerstrums has always traditionally been a great rugby pub. It has been a place to go to watch matches. It's a place to, to go to, to meet people who like rugby, to find out about the rugby teams in the city. And Martin has always been very supportive of that. Uh, they actually hosted an event there for the Irish community there at the weekend. And it was a breakfast and bangers and book swap and all sorts of things. There's a good few people out there getting themselves a new book now for the spring and having a full Irish breakfast and all that kind of thing and Martin has been a very kind sponsor of this show from the very beginning um, I'll also be telling you a little bit more about another sponsor who's jumping on board the Bell James Linus from Belfast is one of the biggest importers of charcoal in Sweden yeah, no, I bet you you didn't know that to buy from the Falls Road there and he bringing in the charcoal right his uh, charcoal I think it's called the Jealous Devil it is called right that's going to be appearing in 
between Ica Quantum and Martino Severa, which is more sort of a wholesaler than a retailer. But in your Ica Quantum stores, keep an eye out for it now over the summer. And it's a very natural product. It's like 96% wood, which sounds like an awful lot, but the rest of them are actually sort of 50, 60% wood and an awful lot of chemicals in them, right? And that's why it smells bizarre when you're lighting the barbecue when you get a chance. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll bring you more details about where you can find James's uh, uh, charcoal as we approach the summer and the weather gets a little bit warmer. But I'm very grateful to him and, of course, the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. And I'm talking to them uh, in the back channels, as they call them in diplomacy, lads, about doing some events, some live events. So say, you know, if they're doing their annual or their monthly breakfast meeting, we might go there and we might do a live podcast from there. And we might have cameras on and we might have somebody from Enterprise Ireland or from Tourism Ireland or from Board Beer or from some Irish business and we'll just have a chat with them and we'll put them out because they have uh, very generously sponsored content in the past and I hope that they will continue to do so in the future. Enough about me, right? One of the things that I find both fascinating and brilliant uh, is people who aren't Irish but who sort of fall in love with Irish music and become evangelists for Irish music and there's a good few of those people in Sweden, right? And this episode brings a couple of them together for a variety of reasons. A couple of weeks ago when I was down below there in Gothenburg and meeting the young Anthony Morrissey uh, who was getting himself established down there and that kind of thing, uh, I decided I'd also bump into Stina Rosian. Now Stina is the chairperson of a group called Timsig and Timsig stands for the Irish Music Session in Gothenburg. If you need to work out, you know, if you need a second last to work out where the name comes from, it's the first letters of each of those words. Take your time. Timsig, the Irish Music Session in Gothenburg. And they hold regular Irish music sessions there. And there's Irish musicians, and there's Swedish musicians, and there's musical students, and there's a basically everyone is welcome vibe. So I decided I was going to talk to her about that. And why not kill two birds with one stone, boys and girls? So I bundled that together with an interview that I just did this very day as I'm recording with Dog Vestling. Now, Dog is another fascinating character. Born in Germany, lived in Sweden since 1984, saw the Dubliners live at the age of about 13, and it changed his world. Right, So he was in the Boy Scouts then, then he saw the Dubliners, and since then he has pretty much been a professional musician playing Irish music with a band called Quilty that has existed now for 30 years. They're celebrating their 30th anniversary this year, and the way they're going to do it is they're going on tour with Andy Irvine. Now, Andy Irvine, if you know who he is, great. If you don't, he is one of the most influential Irish musicians of ever, right? Uh, you talk about Liam O'Flynn on the pipes and you talk about Donald Lunny from Planksy. Andy Irvine was in there as well and played all manner of uh, musical instruments there, often getting increasingly smaller as the gig went on. Brilliant on the bouzouki, on the mandolin, on the guitar, on all sorts of stringed instruments. And a great singer and a great collector and interpreter of songs, but also very interesting folk music in general, right? So when the idea of a 30th anniversary tour for Quilty came around, the lads chanced their arm. And they bumped into Andy a few times and eventually they said, well, look, they sent him a good long letter and they said, would you like to do this with us? Jesus, didn't Andy say yes? So that tour is going on now in March, in the period over St. Patrick's Day. So I brought Dog into the studio, I sat him down, and we had a cup of tea, and we had a good long chat about Irish music and how he got into it and that kind of thing. So I really hope you enjoy this, because I, I like these episodes every now and again, lads, where we sort of hold a mirror up to ourselves with people who are de facto part of our community, right? They are Swedish people who've gotten into Irish music, and I think in both cases, not because of a, a 
spouse or anything else like that because they came across it and it had a big effect on them. So why don't I shut up waffling out of me now for the time being and we'll have a check-in there with Stina Rosian down in Gothenburg before we go and talk to Dog Wrestling. But sure, I'll be back before we do that. Let's begin with, uh, where does your interest in Irish music and Irish folk music come from? I started uh, playing violin when I, was a, when I was a kid and uh, I was listening a lot to Swedish folk music but also music from different parts, parts of the world. Um, I think actually it started where I listened to Eskifeurat, a band from north of Sweden and they took English or Irish songs and they put uh, Swedish lyrics. Okay, yeah. So I guess I got it from when I was like five years old, listening to Swedish uh, songs, but with Irish And music. then you sort of discovered that, okay, these are actually Irish tunes from the beginning, was it? I never, I never knew that, actually, but I really liked the melodies and I really like folk music. So I've been listening to folk music uh, from or good folk music from different parts of the world, so... What, what is it that appeals to you about folk music? What do you like about it? Um, I think it's that it's really telling you something. It's really expression. And it's uh, the rhythms that's really into it is, different rhythms. Yeah, and it's dance music as well. Dance music and polyrhythm. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of changes and, yes. and this kind of thing in there. Um, when it comes to, to playing yourself, do you still play the violin? And when you do play the violin, if I hand you a violin now, will you play me a Swedish folk tune or an Irish folk tune? Mm, good question. Uh, probably a Swedish one because I still know, know that better. Uh, but the Irish is coming more and more. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to have both, I yeah. think. And um, is there particular Irish artists or bands that, you know, when you discovered that maybe these melodies originally came from Ireland, did you go, my favourite is Martin Hayes. I just love to hear Martin Hayes play the fiddle. Uh, did, you, did you have anybody that you went, oh, okay, John Sheehan from the Dubliners or? Uh, I used to listen a lot to bands and when I was in uh, Falun, uh, I heard Dervish. Oh, like, yeah. I was so amazed of like all of the musicians there. So I was like staring and listening to them for I don't know how many years afterwards. So I, uh, yeah, but they're really having a nice energy and yeah. really great musicians. Yeah, them and Lunasa and these sort of almost next generation. I didn't grow up yeah. with them, they kind yeah. of came after, but there's some brilliant musicians in there. Yeah. Um, why is it that Swedish people like yourself sort of get caught up in Irish music. Is it because there's a shared thing with Swedish folk music, like you mentioned, or is there something special about it? Um, good question. I think it's something shared. Um, I think it's also that the melodies, the melodies are bearing the music, both in Swedish and in Irish music. Uh, I would say that that's in common, and also you... Yeah, you can... When you've been playing lots of Swedish folk, as I did, I can also feel that I want some development. Mm. So the Irish music is a little different and you need to do something a little different and you have to learn something new and that's really nice uh, also. 
Um, when did you first sit in on a session with Irish music or Irish musicians? Was that here in Gothenburg or was it in Fallen? Or? No, I think it actually was in Edinburgh. So I was okay. traveling and I was in there. And also in Inverness I was visiting. Uh, or it was in some camp when I was, there was someone teaching Irish mm. music. And I really had to follow the bowing because it's really different and it's really hard in the beginning. Like, what are they doing? But then um, suddenly you, you learned it enough. When you, when, is, it, is it daunting? Is it intimidating to come into that situation? Because, you know, you walk into a bar in West Clare or in Sligo or in Edinburgh. A lot of these people, they've known each other before. They all know what they're going to do before they even do it. And then you show up and you go, OK, I have to fit in here. Mm -hmm. How is that frightening? Is that scary to do? I think music is kind of an own language. So for me, it's more like, oh, I met some musicians here. Maybe I will learn something. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you know that this is a session today and you can ask them if it's OK if I mm -hmm. can join, because sometimes it's not OK, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. depending on who is playing. Uh, so of course, it's a little scary, but I see it's more like interesting that you can learn something else. Mm -hmm. than, how do you do you find people who play Irish music to be very friendly, to be very open? Because there used to be a time, some musicians I know, they wouldn't tell you their secrets. They wouldn't tell you where they got their tunes yeah. or this kind of thing. Have you found that? I think nowadays it's pretty open, but sometimes it's really fast. The, mm. You don't teach tunes normally. Mm. You go just play it. So, but I think they are friendly. And for, for I, I like that you can, in the Irish music, the tradition is you meet in the pub. Yeah. It's an official, like, meeting place. Yeah. So that's a really nice part of yeah. it. It's, it's like neutral ground. It's not yeah. like I go into your house and, yeah. and this kind of thing and you do that, you know. What was the best session, the most enjoyable session you ever took part in on your travels? Ah, it was last summer. We were in a private party with like 150 people in South uh, Småland. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we were in a um, stone building, so to say, where they had arranged a pub. Okay. Uh, the private owners. And we were like seven people playing Irish tunes together. Mm. And it was really, really powerful and really nice. And was it mostly Swedish people who were there? Mostly Swedish people, yeah. And did they enjoy it? Did they? Yes. They certainly course. did. And they, yeah, all, all enjoyed it. It was really nice. It's amazing the power that music has. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. You know, if no. it's good music, people will get up and they'll dance to it. What's your favorite tune to play? I don't have really a special favorite tune. Uh, I have some, uh, several that I like. I like to just join in. Yeah. That's my. I'm, I learned to join <laughs> a lot. <laughs> just, just feel your way into things and, and yeah, sort of go along. Yeah, like. you can listen to the melodies and, oh, I know this almost now, and then yeah. can join it. Um, Is it difficult to keep up? Because for a non-musician, for somebody who's never played a tin whistle or a fiddle or, or the bell ron, well, the bell ron should be played with a knife, just get rid of it. Um, but you know, for somebody who's coming in from outside, is it difficult to, to find your space if there's five musicians, ten musicians all playing together? Or is it easier when there's more people playing? Uh, I think it depends what people there are. Mm. Uh, and if there's uh, 
there can be just two people playing and it's really hard to get in because they play very special tunes mm. that you don't know yourself or if there's just a few there can be more room for oh do you know a tune you would like to play or you can mm. like pass the question around so it really depends on the people and if there's someone thinking okay there's some beginners here mm. we have to have to sort of accommodate yeah. them as you go, yeah. Um, in terms of, we've talked a lot about essentially tunes are instrumental pieces that people dance to. Are you interested in, in folk music and songs as such? Because you have the great tradition of Evert Tobe, you have uh, Cornelius Riesvig yeah. here in Sweden, and in Ireland we would have had Luke Kelly, we still have the great Christy Moore. Is, is the song aspect of it something that interests you? I never really focused on the lyrics, or mm. just when I was a kid, but later on I've always focused on the melodies. Mm. Uh, so I'm more into the melodies, but I, I do love singing also. Mm. So it's... And do you sing yourself? Yeah, I do, sometimes. Is it, is it in is it Swedish and English slash um, Irish songs? Uh, it's mostly American now, because is it, I yeah? play like... Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan, and then I joined singing there. <laughs> and some Swedish songs, of course. Yeah. So. It's funny that because I was talking to my daughter the other night about country music is essentially Irish folk music exported, mm. heated up a yeah. little bit and, and changed, you know. So, mm. And of course, the same thing, the fiddle came from the Swedish tradition in the mid 1800s. Uh, you had the Nickel Halpa, which is uh, the, I don't, what's, I don't even know what that's called in English, but. It's it, a key fiddle. The, the key fiddle, yeah. So, and all these things ca came together in, in modern country music in, in America. So they're all sort of tied in together, you know. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the, the Irish music session in Gothenburg. Yes. Is, uh, you're the chairperson for the group, and it's an actual group. It's a non-profit group that's set up to play music, yeah? Uh, yes. How does that work? Uh, we have this, uh, how do you say? Uh, we have this uh, group with people who arrange or like organize this uh, sessions and uh, a festival in the autumn. Mm -hmm. um, but the sessions, we decide uh, what time and what place and there should be someone leading it. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it's really open for everyone to come. But we do, we do have meetings for planning it. Mm. Uh, and uh, some of them have been a really long time and some are newer as me. Mm. Um, so it's a collaboration. Styrelse, uh, it's in Swedish. It's the board or the committee, the, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have like a, a non-commercial uh, board mm. uh, and a non-commercial you have the whole sort of organization with the number and all this kind yeah. of thing, yeah. So, so we get some money for having sessions and then we can use this money for arranging uh, concerts uh, during a festival. So that would be the local Department of Culture by the, the Gothenburg Commune would say, okay, here's some money, go find a venue, play me some Irish yeah. music. Uh, yeah. Is it easy to get funding for cultural activities? Because it's not Swedish folk music, it's Irish folk music. We, we actually, when we have the festival, we got some uh, funding from the Irish uh, uh, culture. Yeah. yeah. Because we, we have our Irish artists coming here. Okay. Um, but you have to work on getting money from the Swedish uh, mm. I found that a lot in my culture. life. Culture, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you have to, to work on that. Yeah. And we haven't focused that much on it. We have been focusing on, we want to keep the sessions going and we let people learn and uh, play the yeah. tunes. Who turns up when you have a session? Is it Swedish people like yourself with a broad love of folk music? Is it Irish Erasmus students? Is it construction workers who, who shows up to play oh, 
example. That's a good example. It's a really a mixture. There come sometimes some uh, construction workers from Ireland. Oh, you play Irish music here. It's lovely. Yeah. And then uh, there's, of course, lots of Swedish people who play Irish folk music. And then there you have some exchange students who get information and they come and join for a while. Mm. Someone who's, yeah. Here for a few weeks can contact us and oh will you have a session? We will I would like to come. Mm. Uh, so we have lots of visitors from different parts of the world and that's really nice. And do they find you on on Facebook or on Google? Is that how they find out about you? Uh, I think it's because we have this uh, homepage, mm. uh, traditional Irish music in Gothenburg. Mm. Uh, team, no. Uh, traditional Irish music session in session. Gothenburg, yes, it's T-I-M-S-I-G. Um, how often do you have the sessions here in the city? Um, every second week. Um, well, that's that's pretty often, that's yeah. The, the, yeah, the idea. Then sometimes during Christmas or during summer we do have some uh, pals, but... Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then you have to be somewhere. Uh, in a, now we've been at Haket, at Mastukstorget. Yeah. Um, oh, pretty central. And are, are, if you go to a pub owner and you go, okay, hey, I'm Stina from the traditional Irish music session in Gothenburg. We'd like to use your pub and play music. And do they look at you like, are you nuts? Are you crazy? Or, or is it easy to, to find a place to play? Um, it's different people in different places. Uh, we've been at several places mm. and uh, it can be okay for a while at some places, but it really depends on who is working there. Mm. Uh, they normally focus on having spaces for normal customers mm. and we, we cannot be there on Friday or Saturday evening every week because then they want the space for other people. Mm. Um, so it's a little hard, a little tricky. Mm. Uh, depending on, um, so we couldn't t take too much space when they needed for others. Yeah, of course, yeah. But some people, they really s see, okay, this gives us something more than just a traditional pub. Mm. Um, and some doesn't see that. Mm. Of course, a lot of people don't come to play, they come to listen. Uh, who comes to listen to you when you're playing with the traditional Irish music session in Gothenburg? Is it people yeah. with beards like me who remember the Dubliners and this kind of thing, or is it younger people? Yeah, it's... Um, sometimes there's, uh, yeah, just people coming around. We don't have so many coming listening now because we've been sitting in a cellar mm. and then it's not so public. Yeah. But there's always some people looking at us, so there, there will be people coming down. We have one that's always coming watching yeah, yeah. us. There's always one diehard who turns yeah, up to every yeah, session, you know? really nice. But, but if, say, I live here in Gothenburg, I go in, you're playing at a corner. What, yeah. What's the reaction of local people when they hear Swedish people, mostly, playing Irish music? Is it, you know, do they wonder what's going on? I don't think so many ask, ask that question. <laughs> they just let you get on with it, yeah. you know? they that's, just... Uh, that's the great thing about Gothenburg. It's a lot more laid back than Stockholm. So, oh, they're playing Irish music, work away, you know? Well. Um, as the chairperson of the group that, that looks after this, the non-profit, you mentioned the festival. That happens in is it late summer every year, yeah? No, it's in October. In October. That's very late summer, yeah. all right. So, so yeah. it's in the autumn every year. Um, where do you see the growth of this? Do you want this to become something that everybody in Gothenburg knows about? Or do you want it to be Gothenburg's best kept secret? <laughs> uh, I think we're keeping it pretty 
local yeah. right now and more focused to the traditional Irish music. So we, uh, we're discussing that sometimes if we should have more known artists mm. um, and spread it more. Of course, we want pe more people to come to the festival, but we don't really have the focus on growing and being like, organizing a really big festival. Mm. Um, the way we're organized now, we think it's pretty enough to do it in this way. And uh, we spread the music mm. and we get pretty many listening. Yep. Uh, hopefully there's a few more coming every year and also the sessions I we really see that there's newcomers all the time yeah so it's not really dying it's really growing it's sometimes grow. it's 30 people out there and we were like wow this is a big session cool and another week it maybe it's five so yeah it really depends it varies depending on what people yeah. are doing do you get people asking for specific tunes or specific songs to be played or do you just choose your own set list and, and get going we are we're open every time mm. you're open for someone wanting to pay, play another tune that mm. a new tune so who, who wants to to share a tune of course it's welcome it gets stuck in yeah. so so the festival at the moment it's in october uh, every year there's going yes. to be a festival now in 2023 do we know what weekend what date approximately mm, it's in the end of october I don't have the dates in my that's, head right That's now. fine. We shall bring that. You let us know yeah. and we shall let people listening to this podcast know. Uh, and at the moment, we, we consider that the festival is logom. Okay, to say in Swedish, yeah. that it's not too big, it's not too small. It's the perfect size yeah. and we'll be keeping it that way. But it's also a lot about where you are. Mm. If, uh, now we've been at Musikens Hus, a uh, really good place for having this kind of mm. concerts and festival. And uh, if you should have it bigger, then you need another place. And yeah. then you have to search for that. And uh, maybe you need double the people coming. Yeah. And yeah. And then the thing is, like, once you've done some, something in a place once, you have the relationships. Yeah. You know the sound man and the building manager and everything starts to work. But if you have to sort of grow and grow and grow, it yeah. kind of gets difficult. So for now, we'll keep it to this sort of, you know, exclusive event um, we are speaking at the towards the sort of middle the end of January here so people can expect a session sort of every two weeks from now until the summer yes and it is the Irish music session in Gothenburg is it .se or .com can you remember timsig.se timsig.se is where you'll find everything and uh, at the moment is there one specific place where we're having the sessions at the moment um, we're starting up at Haket at Masutred again during the autumn now we had to move it because they were repairing the floors and stuff and so it's been closed there for a while so now we'll be back at Haket so I'm presuming it was all the Irish dancing that was done that necessitated the changing of the floors <laughs> brilliant yeah we did have a dancer actually there was a well, she was studying here and she came and she she had to ask for her shoes to be sent from Ireland here. Wow. And then she, sh she was really dancing really good with us during the session. So, so anybody who's listening to this in Ireland and thinking of coming over here, bring your shoes as well. For yes. now, Stina from Timsig, thank you so much for taking the time to meet me and tell me about the session. Thank you. So
There you go, a little old snippet there from the Irish music session in Gothenburg, Timsig. I love that. That's just, it just rolls off the tongue, lads, Timsig. So keep an eye out there and uh, see if you can pop in some evening, a bit of a session, uh, bring a bower on, play it quietly if you don't know what you're doing, lads, otherwise you'd be deeply unpopular. This is a community podcast. It's a community supported podcast. It only exists because you do. Patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm. A fiver a month will keep the lights on here and will keep me wandering up and down to Gothenburg to go and talk to people like the lovely Steiner to see him. I'm heading off to Malmö now soon enough for a little story. I'm not going to share it with you yet. I can't be giving away the farm every time I'm talking to you lads, but uh, there's a good yowl yarn to be had down there. Maybe two yarns. Who knows? But I'm going to head down there shortly and all contributions sort of go back into the podcast you know so like keeping the lights on getting equipment doing all this kind of thing and as I say this is you know how I make my living so I'm very grateful to everybody who can uh, contribute and that kind of thing so five a month works out at 60 euros a year which is barely the price of a pint in this country let's face it well you might get a round of drinks out of it who knows anyway I'm very conscious of going on too long. Not that, you know, I could do the Joe Rogan thing, lads. If you want me to go on for four hours every week, I most happily will. Uh, so let us get straight into our next interview here with the Bell Dog Vestling. And we've been talking about this for a while. It's gas character altogether. Very busy man, right? You often think, you go, well, them musicians, should they only play about 40 or 50 or 60 or 100 shows a year? What would they be doing otherwise? And it's amazing the amount of work that some people have to put in to make it a living, right? So there's all sorts of... You you have to sell in your tour. You have to plan the tour. And this place goes, well, I can't put you on on the Wednesday, but I can put you on on the Thursday. And then you have to go messing around to change that around. And anybody who has been involved in any of that business will know how difficult it can be. And then one of the ways to make it work financially, no more than me making this uh, podcast uh, work financially, is that you get sort of grants and that kind of thing. Now, lads, there's very few grants for the old podcast, and I can tell you that for nothing. But uh, Dog has become very good at working with the various different local and national national authorities uh, to bring Irish music to people around the country and to be able to play gigs and shows like this, you know. So uh, here he is anyway, Dog Vestling, popped into the studio a little bit earlier on today and I'm sticking this whole episode together for you right now and it's a fascinating story and it's gas because it, like, it spans so many years and just his journey in Irish music has been absolutely amazing as you're just about to hear, lads. Dog, Quilty, tell me the whole story. When did you fall for Irish music? Oh, that was actually a long time ago. That was back in my my youth uh, when I was a teenager. Actually, I was I have, I've joined the the Boy Scouts, and some of the leaders were always initiating sing singalongs yeah. uh, at at our excourses and so. And there's, suddenly they they sang Irish songs like. Um, her eyes, they shone like diamonds. What's that called? The uh, Black the Velvet, Velvet Band. Band yeah. yeah, and then was I was just totally lost. <laughs> that was a, a mighty impact, actually. So that was yeah. when you were a teenager, and yes. just one or two songs, <laughs> were, hang on a second, what's all this about? Kind of thing. Yeah, really. Yeah. It, it, it was something... Uh, What's that called in, in English? Yeah, something not exactly normal, something unusual yeah, that just right. popped up yeah, there. And, yeah, and my, I was responding somehow to the frequency of, of the melodies and, and the 
the touch of the expression or something. Mm. I, it's, it's hard to point point on it, you know. I, I think I know what you're talking about because I remember somebody when I was learning Swedish explaining the, the word nyckelharpa, <laughs> which is like the key harp. Yeah. Right? It's, a, it's a Swedish uh, folk music instrument. And I heard it the first time I went, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that resonates with uh-huh. me. You know, I could feel that thing. It was that before you s- actually saw a key harp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you hear the word and you go, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> and then you hear the actual instrument mm. and you go, oh, now yeah. I get it, you mm. know. Um, this was a time, you know, no offence now, but this was a time before the internet, before Spotify, mm. before, you know, you can't exactly of just course. go and Google everything. How did you go from hearing these songs as a scout to finding this music, listening to this music, learning this music? That was quite a time before I even touched a musical instrument. Mm-hmm. But I was also a member e- e in the local um, uh, boys' choir at the local church. Okay. So there I think my musicality was grounded somehow. Mm. Uh, I can't really remember moments of great joy over singing, but I think... Uh, it was. It has been. Uh, um, has become uh, a part of my life. The singing. Yeah. You know, and uh, but that was quite a long time before I. I was. I felt the urge of playing a musical instrument, but uh, then shortly after that, I, I I experienced Irish songs for the first time, and I had no idea what Ireland was even already yeah. at that time. Um, we were going a bunch of scouts together with the leaders to my first actually live concert. Okay. And that was the Dubliners. Oh, well. Yeah. Roddy Drew and Barney McGann. Exactly, yes, yes. Um, and I was 13 years old, I think, 13. And, and that was somewhere here in Sweden, was it? No, I was, I was actually born and raised in Berlin. In, in Berlin, Germany. In Germany, okay. Uh, West Berlin at that time. Yeah. And the Dubliners were frequently uh, visiting uh, Berlin and many other places in uh, whole Europe. So I remember there, there was a great sign outside the, the, the hall. Uh, it was 10 years anniversary, the Dubliners. My God, they were only It was in the boys. beginning of the 70s, <laughs> yeah. right? And f- for me, they looked like old men with giant beards and (laughs) (laughs) they were only like 26 uh, or something yeah really i i I realize that now many years later so that was i think the final deep impact uh, that that there the seed was planted to to uh, pick up an instrument Mm. and try to imitate what they've done Mm. You know, when when you see something like the Dubliners for the first time, I always thought that there was an element of punk to the Dubliners, which is uh-huh. not you know they're not usually, so, but they were very radical and they were very energetic and they really wanted to get this music across. Was that what appealed to you? Do you think when you see this? Surely, surely, but it was also a kind of a newfound or new new yeah newfound uh, cultural identity. Mm. As as a German at that time, not not so long time after the war, everything that was connected to German, to, to German traditional uh, um, uh, hab- culture, culture folk music was yeah. not so popular. Yeah, uh, Germans at that time were very much orientated at cultures from from abroad. Yeah. I remember now that the TV programs, the shows and so, where musical, uh, there was music involved, was always filled with, with artists coming from abroad, like, mm. like uh, Venke Mure from Norway, or yeah. what's, 
what's Rory Gallagher, the Irish guitarist. Was yeah, very but that was more rock. But yeah. but in the uh, the pop or or the the schlager, uh, you Abba, know, Abba of course would have been huge. <clears throat> Abba as well, of course, yeah? yeah. But also, what's her name called? She's an old lady now, living in Stockholm, uh, a Swedish singer. I just forget her name. I think jazz singer is it? Is that the? Uh, no, I think she no? was. Yeah, like like Lil, uh, not Lil Bobs, but um, uh, Alice Bobs. Alice Bobs, yes. that's the one. Yeah. And uh, people from from England, Chris Howland, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Beatles in the nineteen sixties yeah. in Hamburg, and they imported sort of R and B and blues yes. music from. But them. even even uh, German uh, singer artists were yeah. were um, uh, could be seen in TV shows, but imitating different cultures. We had one in Berlin who was singing Russian folk songs, but yeah. with German text, German lyrics. Yeah. But he had might, a mighty, uh, yeah, with the clothing, big, big, big everything. Yes, right, there. exactly. <laughs> you, you, that that kind of thing was very appealing for yeah. for the for the German audience. Mm. At that so time. there was because we have to remember that the time you were talking about the, the Second World War only ended less than thirty years previously. Mm-hmm. By the time you saw the double, so it's very fresh in the memory. That would be like for Irish people listening to this, Italian ninety was just a little over thirty mm-hmm. years ago. Just to put it in perspective, mm-hmm. so German culture was sort of parked. It was like okay, that's nothing to celebrate for the next couple of decades. Let's just leave that where it is. So the Dubliners and Rory Gallagher and these people we've just been speaking, they filled that gap then uh, by coming there. And I'm quite convinced that that was, that was the fact. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was uh, really resonating to, to the sound of of whistles and fiddles and banjos and singing. You know, mm-hmm. everything had had a difference to what I what I have was familiar familiar with before mm. yeah so that was really uh, great i think and it, it made me going really yeah, so yeah really. from that day on i think i was just lost in music and i had nothing else that that could compete with my interest of music mm. when you did first pick up an instrument because you mentioned the songs you mentioned the black velvet mm. band and this connection that you feel was it the singing that you went for first or what instrument did you listen to and go oh I really need to learn that I couldn't really decide then I so was, I was fond, of fond of everything really and I was uh, more or less trying everything but I was uh, f- you know, the guitar of course yeah. that was the, the, the fun- fundament yeah. but I always bought a tin whistle yeah, that was very hard to get come over. At that oh, time. in Germany, of course. So yeah. I had through friends, I, I got hold of, of of whistles the first time, and uh, the banjo. But it happened to be the five string banjo and not the tenor banjo, which is more yeah. um, normal in in Irish music that yeah. you pick with the plectrum and play along with fiddles and all. Yeah. But the the five string banjo was the American yeah. version of the banjo. And uh, that brought me somehow to another branch, the American traditional music like bluegrass and old time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my, my interest was a bl- little bit splitted. Yeah. But somehow I think it fits together. The sound is the same. Oh, you know uh, the touch is slightly different, but I think the American folk music must have been... Uh, Influenced greatly by by Irish Irish musicians. Uh, well, I always say times, that, you know, know, country music is basically Irish music with different yeah. whiskey. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and all of those traditions, because the the way they tell stories in country mm. music and the way the stories are told in blues music, mm. and you had people working on slave plantations making their own guitars, and they were working for Irish descendants. They were mm. brought there by Europeans, mm. and I do think that somehow there is a sort of you know, if there's a well somewhere that 
all of this folk music mm. is drawn from. And mm. I think the Irish and Scottish traditions are there. Did you find it difficult? Like, I, I can't play any melody instrument, right? It breaks my I don't know what it is with my left hand. That it, just, it just won't respond when I try to play oh. melodies. I can play chords and I can oh. sing. But I found it really, really difficult with a tin whistle, with a mandolin. And, you know, and they filled the living room at home and I could barely play any of them. Mm. Did you find it difficult? Is it, is it very intricate music to play? Um, yeah, it is somehow. I experience that when I, <laughs> I don't when, feel I, so bad when I give lessons to beginners, then I feel, oh, sh- God, that is really intricate. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I had, because I was grounded musically already from before I touched an instrument, yeah. uh, I think I had quite easy to to just pick up yeah. an instrument and play a melody and find out how to how to get over the melody. Yeah. So it was try, trying trial and error <laughs> yeah. that led me to success. <laughs> it's amazing. It gets so frustrating because you think to yourself that in most scales, mm. you know, average scales, there's like, you know, seven notes and then the first note again. And you think, how hard could this be? You know? yeah. And then yet, you know, you hear tunes like the Mason's Apron, which there's different parts to yeah, it yeah. and it flies along and it gets yeah, faster yeah. and faster. Again, not in the internet age, right? So you pick up a tin whistle, you get uh, your banjo, your five-string banjo mm. for the first time. How do you, do you, can you find somebody in Berlin who's going to teach you how to play this or did you just have to? No, yeah, sure, of course. There's a, quite a, a, a community of, of Irish musicians, perhaps not all Irish, but who people play who Irish play music? Irish yeah. music. Um, Did I, you find that almost almost in every city in all in, in Europe, there's always some people who play Irish music and and uh, you can find sessions somewhere. Yeah. Mm? So did you have people who taught you, or did you teach yourself? I t- taught myself mostly. I, I bought records mm. and cassettes and so, mm. and uh, then. Well, Regarding my five-string banjo, uh, mm. there was no one to teach me the first year uh, I was trying to pick. Uh, but I I bought the, the, a book called How to Play the Five-String Banjo, <laughs> <laughs> written by Pete Seeger. So there, there I learned the Foggy Mountain Breakdown, for instance, a classical bluegrass tune, yeah. which I really wanted to to, to master, to master, <laughs> yes. So that took me actually half a year, and then I could play it. Yeah, it came out. Yeah. And the next step then from that is you go from hearing the music to learning to play the music, and the next difficult step for many people is to go to play that music with other people in public. Yeah, but I think that's that's the secret uh, of playing this kind of music. You have to to find people that are going along with you. Yeah. Um, Lika Sinad, what, what's that? Uh, yeah, pe- people of like mind. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And was that hard to do in Germany at that time? No, I was I was lucky. I, I saw an insert on on a, uh, in a music shop. Yeah. Some people were looking for somebody who could play banjo and whistle for an I- Irish band. I was joining the band directly. <laughs> Straight in, no matter. So, yeah. so that was my, my first band. I was 14 or 15 when I joined that band. Well, wow. what was it like playing music with them for the first time? It was great. Well, I think a week later we had the first gig. <laughs> and there were places in Berlin at that time that were, were excellent for, for uh, trying your wings, you know. Yeah. It was the go-in that was in a dungeon in some cellar yeah. in, the, in the city part of the town. And, um, and there was 
every night music and every band or artist had one half hour to display himself and you you got ten uh, d marks and a, a, a pint <laughs> it was not much even at that time you know so, but you, there you could find all all the people that you that you were interested in that had the same interests yeah because there'd be a band yeah. or a singer before mm. you there'd be yeah. somebody after mm. and you start to talk oh try this place right. and that place you know um, were you nervous? Do you ever get nervous when you play music for the oh, first time? Oh, I, I still, I'm, I still, I'm still nervous. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, for me, it is also, uh, um, it gives me some energy. Yeah. <laughs> because the nervousness, nervousness uh, um, disappears after a few minutes on stage. Yeah, yeah. You go, and yeah, then I can something, then, you, then you uh, canalize that energy into mm. something else. Mm and put impression, expression in, into your music mm. and so. Mm. There's a great basketball player for the Boston Celtics called Bill Russell. And they talk about LeBron James at no, 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 This guy's not only the greatest basketball mm. player of all time, he's the greatest American of all time. Mm. And he used to go to the bathroom before every game and the other players, the other nine players in the team would hear him throwing up in the bathroom. Oh. And they thought that's okay. Because yeah, Bill's stories nervous. like that too. Yeah, mm. and, and they said when he didn't throw up, that was when they got nervous because oh. they thought, okay, well, he obviously doesn't care tonight, <laughs> mm. you know, but it happened very, very seldom. Um, how did you come to, to find yourself playing Irish music in Sweden? Because you've been playing music pretty much since you were 13, 14, 15 years old. I, I changed, I, I left Irish music uh, four times. I, I was uh, at the end of my, my um, gymnasium. Yeah, the, uh, high upper, school. upper secondary school education. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. I was uh, planning to go for musical education mm. on academic level. So I, I took classes in, uh, private classes in guitar, classical guitar and Ooh. classical piano and uh, all the theory that you had to master to just come in and, yeah, yeah. and get, uh, get the place. So uh, I was concentrating on that. And I also had different band projects going on, you know. Yeah. I left my first Irish band Shortly after we did our first record, actually, wow. and then I uh, changed into uh, being a member of a German folk music band. That was uh, a time where the German folk music experienced a revival. Yeah. So I was with that band for two years, I think. And that band actually started with a, a visit in on an Irish festival up in Donegal, Letterkenny Fiddle Festival, oh, International wow. Fiddle Contest Festival. So that was the thing why this German band started. So we we were the German represents there. Oh, they so, and play the yeah. fiddles and all that. Yeah. 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 So that that well, that's a, that's the story. But my story actually around playing folk music is actually to be a member of a band mm. and that is, is still my my lifestyle yeah. you could say that's a very big and important part of my life mm. to be together with friends who share the same interest mm. in the cause of irish music i have the band called quilty mm. when did that band start because it's that one is, of the most famous irish bands in sweden yeah 30 years ago so we're entering into the 30th <laughs> year of this, uh, of, of Quilty. Exactly. How did it come about and who was in the band with you? From the start, it was my dear old friend Gideon Anderson, mm -hmm. who I played uh, together with in uh, several projects before. Mm -hmm. We met in 1980 in Berlin 
And then I moved over to Sweden in 1984 mm-hmm. and joined his band, that was, which was actually a symphonic rock band. Um, that doesn't sound like there's much place for a five-string banjo in no, there. No, no, actually not. I was trying myself as an electric guitarist. <laughs> we all go through that yeah, phase, don't that's we? That's a career that I, I left behind then after I, I left the band. Yeah. But uh, we we are st- we were still good friends, and after uh, our studies for two years on a Folkhögskola, mm-hmm. um, we decided to go together and... Uh, earn our money, our living. Mm. <laughs> and that was where we started Quilty. Mm. And that was sort of the golden age of Irish music in Irish bars. Uh, pub culture never really existed in Sweden or in Scandinavia, but it started to arrive in the mm. 1980s the 90s. That was a co- coincidence that it was exactly at the time mm. where, where it was popping up English and Irish pubs all over Sweden. Mm. And Guinness was introduced and so on. Yeah, and it's just as expensive today as it was back then, I'd say, you know. Um, did you find it easy to get going, uh, to get Quilty going, to find enough gigs, to make enough money to be able to survive on that? It's never been easy and it is still not easy, really. Yeah. Uh, if you want to uh, go professional with, 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 with your hobby, yeah. <laughs> so it takes quite an effort to 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 get the bookings you know yeah and you have been uh, have to be very active in that yourself mm. it's not much that people call you and ask ask you to come and yeah. and pay you a good good wage yeah it's like the 17th of march every year that's mm. the one guaranteed yeah. payday and exactly. the other 364 so, days no n- n- no one of us had um, a steady job or something mm. So we were really trying to get get into the market at, at somehow. We were very unexperienced in that. Mm. So we were starting off with the pub gigs, mm. you know. And um, in the long run, we we thought that is not not good for us because the, it is long hours. Uh, mm. At that time, where everybody was smoking in the pubs and it was not healthy environment, mm. and you could not succeed to build up an audience in yeah. that environment in mm. that milieu so we we tried we must set our foot into the cultural yeah. sphere in sweden so this would be the people's parks the local theaters rather than the bars yeah exactly and the yeah. the local uh, inst or the the regional institution that mm. had um that were responsible for spreading culture yeah so there we succeeded to put our foot inside and, yeah. and we, we um, were offered school tours, uh, playing for schools, Cool, you know, and that uh, um, was also connected to uh, several number of evening concerts for, mm-hmm. for uh, grown-up yeah. uh, audience. So, so you arrive in a town and you might play in one school in the morning, one in the afternoon, yeah. do a concert in the yes. evening and that's your day's work or two days exactly. work basically. Exactly you know? like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 years of Quilty, you're now going to celebrate uh, that, you know, three decades in the business as the, one of the <laughs> foremost mm-hmm. uh, bands playing Irish music mm-hmm. in Sweden. And you've really gone all out in terms of you're getting Andy Irvine, who is like just a, a seminal Irish musician, you know, with a history in, yeah, yeah. in uh, Planksty, among mm-hmm. other things. 
things, did great work himself with, uh, he, I remember he recorded an album called East Wind, where yeah. he went to the former Yugoslavia yeah. and collected folk tunes and interpreted those kinds of mm. things, you know. How did that partnership with Andy or that idea of working with Andy come about? I have to start uh, way back again. Uh, that was in the 70, 70s when I was... Um, when I was playing Irish music myself, yeah. of course, the Dubliners wasn't, weren't the only source of, of uh, inspiration. Mm. There was Planksty as well, mm. suddenly uh, emerging <laughs> yeah. from nowhere. And that was, struck me even more because that was a, a sound that I never had experienced before. And uh, that was a, a new um, milestone for my okay. musical Development there. Development, yeah. yeah Can you course. put your finger on what it was about Planksteed that sort of <clears throat> made them stand out up alongside the Dubliners for you? Um, that was even more exotic, the sound, mm. the, the, the interplay between busuki and mandolin. Yeah. And the Irish pipes. Yeah, the Elam pipes there, Donald Lundy, And the yeah. combination of that and the, the singing was softer. I, I, yeah. Christy Moore, of course, was Christy a singer. Moore and Andy Irvine, they had an, a different approach of traditional singing, mm. which I haven't, hadn't have any idea mm. about before. So that was also opened my ears in new ways, you know. Mm. Uh, and I was really orientated uh, from that kind of approach to, to uh, traditional folk music, mm. yes. And would these be people that you would meet at a festival in Germany or in France or in Norway? is that, Because again, it was the time before the internet. Now you can just send somebody a DM on Instagram and you know you can maybe mm. hook up with somebody doing this kind of music. But back then it was much more difficult. How did oh, you... We, we bought, we bought uh, uh, LPs. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, and swapped uh, cassettes. Yeah. And then we was listening into and trying to copy. That was the way we did. Or learning from each other. From yeah. fa face to face, yeah. of course. I remember traveling to Ireland, <laughs> yeah, just meeting meeting people, learning face to face. Yeah. That was also go go to our and that, and that we did, you know. Yeah. Uh, but back to how we how we came in touch with Andy Irvine. So um, that was, of course, a distant idea of oh, it would be a dream to play with Andy Irvine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but now, to, uh, in connection with our upcoming 30 years of, of playing together, we thought we would want to do something special. Mm. And um, the thought of Andy Irvine came up sometimes, but n never really as a serious plan or something, mm. uh, until we finally met him ourselves at um, a private home concert in Oslo. Okay. We happened to have a, a common uh, uh, friend who invited Andrew Irvine uh, to play at his house, and mm. that was that, that. We went, of course, and I was sitting two meters in front of of him and listening to my old house god mm. <laughs> uh, with with no microphones or, or something. That was quite an experience. So there we sat, and afterwards we were shaking hands, of course, and and changing a few words. And not long time after, he was visiting Stockholm again on a solo tour mm. uh, in the place called Stallet. Yes, yeah. In Stockholm. And there we met again and came to talk 
again together and mm. then Andy Irvine said uh, well let's let's uh, change email addresses and so we at least can uh, uh, pretend we will stay in touch and we were laughing you know and then we changed addresses and so but then uh, I think that was the 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 seed that was planted uh, well why not take up the contact and ask him to join us on our 30th uh, anniversary tour so I, I, I sat down and it took me three days to to write uh, the letter properly (laughs) so i sent that away and i think two weeks later the answer came and uh what what was the writing he was um i would be delighted to go on tour with quilty of course the answer (laughs) so so of course we were very very excited Hmm. that was before the pandemic oh right yeah yeah and derail so, things a yeah, little bit. Yeah, because the, the band was not even meeting one and a half year. We were we just mm. have, had uh, online meetings, you know. Mm. Uh, Everywhere was closed. Yeah, there was yeah. no gigs. There had was no, no gigs. Yeah. Um, somebody like Andy, Andy does things like this. He collaborates with people, but there has to be something sort of in it for him. What do you think he's going to get out of working with you guys? Is it a different perspective, a different way of seeing Irish music maybe that he wants to experience? I don't know, actually. Um, that remains to be seen, I think I it makes, gives him an opportunity to go on a, on a tour in Sweden. Mm. Um, he understood that we are established in, in Sweden and we were we have some kind of pulling power on, on mm. our concerts and um, and um, I, th- I think he m- might have made sure that we were um, good the, enough. Yeah, the, the real deal. Well, there so, is always that. That's why, that's why it took like two weeks to yeah. write back to you. Yeah, man, he's, he was taking a risk, of course. Yeah. Yes. Contacting um, everybody mm. in this thing. Um, if people go, uh, how many dates are going to be on the tour? That, w- that will be a tour of... 13 gigs at 12 days. <laughs> My God, 13 gigs at 12 days. It's yes. like back, There's back one the- day we have a, a lunch gig and and a evening gig at the same on the same day. So Okay, mm. so, so there'll be no laundry done during that tour? No, 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 no. Not so- even a dinner with the warm food. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. it'll be sort of max yeah. hamburgers and, uh, and uh, <laughs> right. hot dogs as you go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if people turn up to these 13 gigs in 12 days, it sounds like an amazing experience altogether. What can they expect to hear? Because people will know Andy Irvine's work. They'll know what they think Irish music is. Mm. Is it all tunes? Will there be some songs in there? What's what's the set list? It will be mostly songs. Um, um, I see Andy Irvine more as a singer and an interpreter of songs. Mm. Um, Despite his great skills on on instruments, of course. Mm. Um, So we... um, um, we were asking for uh, a bunch of songs that were our favorites and, yeah. and, and what we had in mind for, for the concert. And he was responding very positively on that. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we some some kind of the greatest hits or so, yeah, yeah. so <laughs> from our perspective. Yeah. I don't. I won't reveal all the songs that we will play. We'll be playing f- except for one. We were especially asking for the song he wrote uh, in memory of Raoul Wallenberg. Yes. So I thought that might f- fit greatly uh, with a Swedish Irish band meeting an Irish musician who wrote that song. Ex- so, uh, explain the significance of Raoul Wallenberg in Swedish and, and German culture for the listeners, if you can. Yeah, well, he was a, a German, um, and a, not a German, uh, a Swedish diplomat mm. 
uh, helping thousands of Jews to to uh, prevent death. Hmm. Uh, so um, he basically evacuated thousands yes, of Jews yeah. from Germany and from Central Europe, and right. were brought, were, this is the people that were brought up on what were called the white buses exactly. uh, uh, through Denmark and to Sweden mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And he is, I think, uh, he's been given by the state of Israel and by the Jewish people of what they call a place among the righteous. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar Schindler would be there, Wallenberg mm-hmm. uh, would be there, and various other people who yeah. tried to do their best to avert. Mm-hmm. Uh, death during the Holocaust. Yes, and Andy Irvine has written a song about. Yeah, him. He, he's Andy Irvine has written a lot of songs about heroes, you know, mm. and that's what that was one of 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 his uh, hero songs. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, thinking about the the tragic uh, fate of Raoul Wallenberg, I, I think it's uh, very good to take take this song mm. or have it in front of a Swedish. Uh, Swedish audience. It's going to be mm. fascinating to hear that. Yeah. Uh, when does the tour take place? In March, okay. around around uh, St. Patrick's Day. Okay. So we start on the 14th of March and finish off uh, 26th. We have the last concert. And can you remember off the top of your head which Swedish towns or cities you're going to be bringing this tour to? You don't on, have to do uh, order. On St. Patrick's Day, we will be in Gävle. Okay, super. Uh, and the day before, we will be in Stockholm mm. on Dieselwerkstaden, the Nacka. Very nice, yeah. Good venue. And um, we will also be in Malmö on the 23rd. Mm-hmm. And we will be in Laholm. It's a minor place. In, That's uh, down in the south as well, isn't it? It's Close to southwest, yeah. yeah. What more? Retwijk uh, is the last concert. And the day before is Bolnes in okay. Helsingland. So we're trying to cover as much of uh, Sweden as as possible, Mm. what we hadn't come further north than Mm. uh, Gävle. Mm. The interesting thing about that is, you mentioned Retsvik and Bolnes and these kind of places. Mm. People might think that, you know, why would you play in sort of relatively small places like that? These are places with great traditions of folk music, of Swedish folk music and of festivals and that kind of thing. Of course, Retsvik has the the folk music and Zeus, the house of uh, traditional Mm -hmm. folk music yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what's going to be happening on the tour. That's where it's happening. That's what you're going to be doing with Andy Irvine. What What do the next 30 years for Quilty hold? What do you want to do for <laughs> Perhaps respirators and <laughs> <laughs> Zimmer frames and this kind yes. of thing. You know? But it's no, not something. Know. The great thing about music in some ways is, um, unfortunately, I missed a trip to Dublin there because I was supposed to see Christy Moore live in Vicker Street mm-hmm. there, but we missed a flight because of an accident on the E4 here. We won't get into that. It is something that, you know, even as we get older, we can still do and we can still enjoy. Do you plan to keep going or is this 30th anniversary tour, is this like, you know, the, the farewell tour for Quilty? No, no, hopefully not. No, of course not. I mean, Andy Irvine is 80 years mm. and still going on tour regularly. Yeah. And in April, he has a huge tour in, in Germany and Switzerland, for mm. instance. So he's still going strong, really. Mm. So I, I will keep going as long as possible for myself and I think my band members who are thinking about uh, having the same future I'm going to find a track I'm assuming Quilty's music is on Spotify isn't it? Of course yeah we've done a, a couple of uh, CDs and that you can find on Spotify yeah. Right we're going to squeeze in a track at the end of the podcast from one mm. of those albums. Which song do you think that I should play out on for this episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast? Oh 
Well, we can take that later. I have to think about it, actually. <laughs> you, you think about that, right? I'll write the script for the sign-off, and then we'll add in the song. Yeah. But for now, Doug, thanks so much for speaking Thank to you me. very much for having me. I'll write the script for the sign-off. Oh, Jesus, there's me just lying into the jazz fair. I don't think I've ever written the script for this show. Do you know why? Because it's so easy to talk to you boys and girls. And it's so easy to talk to the likes of uh, Dog Vestling there. Uh, Quilty is the name of the band, right? Let me go. Oh, Jesus, if I had written the script, I would have had this uh, to, to hand. But we'll go in and we'll see. QuiltyMusic.com is where you want to go, right? QuiltyMusic.com. And they are playing all over the place um, with uh, with Andy Irvine. And it's going to be well worth it. As I say, like, you know, it's just, it's so, such a great opportunity to go and see somebody um, like Andy Irvine, one of the great Irish mu- musicians, 80 years old. So he's not going to be on, on tour now forever, you know. So uh, get into QuiltyMusic.com and you can click around there and you will find the band and their biography and all this kind of thing as well. And uh, you'll find out where they're playing, and it's well worth going along. I will be going to one of the gigs myself. Uh, I don't know which one yet, but I'll certainly, I might even go down and see if I can catch them rehearsing down in Malmo. That'll be a bit of crack as well, and maybe talk to Andy Irvine. So we shall try that. Listen, we're gone over the hour mark again. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We are indeed going to play out with a little musical clip from the lads from Quilty and from Dog Vestling. But before we do that, it was just struck me there that uh, over the last couple of weeks on the podcast, if you were listening to this podcast where we spoke about Kevin, and then on the Global Gale podcast, which is a podcast I do for the Irish around the world, you would have heard the story there of Alan Gogarty, who was going great guns as a musician there himself in New York. But then he suffered a giant heart attack there at the start of December. And with what happened to himself and what happened to Kevin, I was sort of thinking that those of us of a certain age like oh the fellas were over 40 and that kind of thing it may not be such a bad thing lads to go to the doctor which we never do because we think we're immortal and just to check a few things out and to make sure that if we are as hale and hearty as we feel because um yeah if we don't do that uh, it may end up being too late at some point right now let us play out with a little bit of quilty the bonnie ship the diamond from their current show which is called out on the ocean that is it from me for this week look after you as ourselves look after one another and I look forward to talking to you again already. Some great interviews coming up, but more of that in the future. Good luck. The diamond is a ship, my lads, for the David Strait is bound. The key it is all garnished with bonnie glasses round. Captain Thompson gives the order to sail the ocean wide. Where the sun that never sets, me lads, no darkness dims the sky. And we cheer up, me lads, let your hearts never fail. For the bonnie ship, the diamond goes fishing for the whale. Along the keys of Peterhead, the lasses stand around. Their shoals and pull the badger and the sergeants run down. Now don't you eat my bonnie lads, or you'll be left behind. For the rose will bloom and green as ice before we change our minds. And we cheer up, me lads, let your hearts never fail. For the bonnie ship, the diamond goes a fishing for the whale. Here's the health of the resolution, likewise the Eliza Swan. Here's the hand of the butler of Montrose and the diamond ship of We wear the chances of the white, the jackets of the blue. When we return to Peterhead, we'll have sweethearts. And this cheer up, me lads, let your hearts never fail. For the bonnet ship, the diamond goes a-fishing for the whale. And this cheer up, me lads, let your hearts never fail. For the bonnet ship, the diamond goes a-fishing for the whale.
Goodbye, my dear, and let's cheer up, me lads. Let your hearts do it fail. For the bonny ship, the diamond goes fishing for the whale. And let's cheer up, me lads. Let your hearts do it fail. For the bonny ship, the diamond goes fishing for the whale. And let's cheer up, me lads. Let your hearts do it fail. For the bonny ship, the diamond goes fishing for the whale. And let's cheer up, me lads. Let your hearts do it fail. For the bonny ship, the diamond. Tack så mycket!